Section 44 of A Minor War History This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paul Hampton A Minor War History by Martin Alonzo Haynes Letter Number 118 Point Lookout, Maryland, November 14, 1863 The 5th Regiment has just landed and gone into camp. They came down from Washington yesterday afternoon, but did not land until this morning. There are 750, mostly substitutes, and I hear they have not come to help us on guard duty, but to be drilled preparatory to going to the front. We have the cutest little sheet iron stove that ever was, set up and in running order. Monday afternoon. Our newcomers of the 5th are the toughest crowd I ever saw accredited to New Hampshire. They are loaded with money paid to them as substitutes, and no sooner were they landed than almost every man was loading up with supplies from the sutlers. They are not going to do any guard duty, so we hear, and so it appears. They are kept very close, having a guard about their camp, and cannot get out without a pass. If they had the same freedom the second has, there would doubtless be a grand hiatus of the bounty fellows. Two prisoners were shot yesterday. The Fifth's drum corps was playing Dixie, and when they got through, the rebs crowded up to the fence and gave three cheers for Dixie. The demonstration soon became riotous and threatening, and was passing beyond all control when the twelfth man on guard at that point fired into the crowd and brought the crazy fellows to their senses. Bill Ramsdell is doing duty right along, but he came very near getting into another scrape the other night. You must know that we soldiers have a free and easy way of appropriating to our own use any little bit of government property that will contribute to our comfort. It isn't stealing. We all do it. The government has sent whole shiploads of boards here for fences, houses, etc., and if we fellows want one or two to build a bunk or fix our quarters, we take them and no harm done. Well, the other night Bill went out on a piratical cruise, shouldered aboard, and was almost into camp with it when, as ill luck would have it, he ran up against General Marston himself, who ordered him to drop his load, personally escorted him down to headquarters, and turned him over to the guard. But Bill pulled up two or three tent pins, crawled out under the canvas, and in due time appeared in camp lugging his board, which he had gathered in again on his way up. As all this took place at night, and as the twelfth was on guard, Bill flattered himself no one would ever be any wiser as to who the prisoner was. But he was recognized by one of the guard, who thought the escape of Marston's own prisoner too good a thing to keep, and it leaked to the officer of the guard. In due time, a guard appeared in camp hunting for a man named Ramsdell, but nobody knew any such man. The guard was a mighty decent fellow and didn't rake with a fine-tooth comb. We kept Bill out of sight until a new officer of the guard came on when the matter was forgotten or dropped at headquarters. I did not get off with my guard duty day before yesterday quite as well as I expected. A cold rain set in, and if it had not been for the overcoat and rubber blanket that came in my box, I should have suffered. That day we occupied for the first time the new guardhouse, which, however, had not been shingled and it rained harder inside than out. So I came down to my tent and sat while not on post, and in this way made the best of a dismal situation. 
Letter 119 Point Lookout, Maryland, Saturday evening, November 21, 1863 Rainy and dreary outside, but inside is warmth and comfort. There's a good fire in the little stove, the tent is tight as a drum, and there's a snug warm bunk for me when I get ready to turn in. You appear to be having quite a little run of adventures. Well, here is one of mine. The other day I took an outing up into the country just to see what sort of place it is up there. It was dark when I got within a mile of camp, and I was tired and anxious to get in the shortest way. I knew that by the route which would save me half of my travel, I would have to wade a network of little creeks, but that didn't trouble me, and across lots I started. Wading into creek number one, I found myself up to my middle with a strong tide setting in, but I was in for it, and I kept forging ahead, but when I came to the last crossing, I wished I'd gone the other way. This was at the point where the creek empties into the river. It was not wide, but the tide was setting into it like a mill race. I waded in. Once or twice I thought I would be swept off my feet and floated up the creek like a piece of driftwood, but I got through, and so ended my soul-stirring adventure. It is reported that we are to have Sibley tents for winter quarters, and that all the improvements we have been making will have to go to make way for the new arrangement. The Sibley is much larger than our A tents, and is a great canvas cone supported by a center pole. Ours are to be stockaded about four feet high on logs planted on end in the ground, and ten men will make a tent's crew. Each tent is equipped with a stove, and the whole outfit makes the most comfortable quarters imaginable. The only drawback is the trouble of making the change. The new men of the fifth are making a great deal of trouble by their attempts to desert. Last Tuesday, several made the venture, and one party got clean away by taking a boat from the beach at our camp. As a result, Marston has ordered all the boats taken away, and there is the end of our boating and oyster raking. Two subs managed to get out to a schooner and struck a bargain with a negro, who was Captain Cook and all hands, to set them on shore outside our picket line. As they landed, a squad of mounted men went tearing up the beach and gathered them in, while a gunboat went after the schooner and brought it in as a prize. Colonel Bailey has had an old shanty moved up here, which I suppose he intends to have fixed up for himself and wife. He has been quartering down on the point, and it is reported that General Marston has ordered him to make his quarters with his regiment. Rats, rats, rats. We are overrun with them. They swarm everywhere and are big enough to waylay a cat. They run over us as we lie in our bunks, and the other night one dropped plump in my face from the upper bunk. One of the fellows in that bunk got his hand on one and combed it across the tent, where it struck the boards with a loud thump and a terrified squeak. I hear the fifth are going to take their turn at guard duty tomorrow. If they do, it'll make our duty much easier. Letter 120 Point Lookout, Maryland, November 28, 1863 Quite a relief it is to us overworked fellows to have the fifth take their turn at guard duty. We cannot now be called upon oftener than every third day, and probably not as often as that. You need to have no uneasiness about smallpox here. There is only one case in this regiment, so far as I know. Most of the cases are from the prison camp, the smallpox hospital is outside the lines, and the guards are immune who have had the disease. Evening. 
I have just had a good supper of oysters, and the papers bring us news of a great victory at Chattanooga, so I am feeling pretty well both in body and mind. End of section 44. Recording by Paul Hampton.